Okay, so hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Default Global. This is where we connect with global first entrepreneurs and remote work experts from all around the world to share their experiences. Our guest today is Celine Hu, uh, Chief of Staff at Slang AI. Celine, thanks for joining us today. Of course, thank you so much for having me, Beat. Celine, you've had this quite the, quite the journey across various industries and roles, right? So could you mm -hmm. maybe start telling us a bit about that path, you know, how, how you, you know, maybe became, became the chief of staff at Slang? Yeah, of course. Happy to. So my career started in consulting in professional services. Uh, so when I was graduating college and thinking about what I wanted to do with my life, um, I really didn't know, but I wanted to keep the doors open, and so I joined a small consulting firm uh, in Boston. We did a lot of due diligences for private equity companies, and through that, I really got to learn about just a variety of different industries. Um, it was a lot of fun. I really loved just like all the learnings I got from it, but uh, in consulting, you know, you're always giving kind of the high-level strategy, but never actually going in-house and, and operationalizing it. And so what I really wanted next in my career was to go into a company and really understand how you know, decisions are made and how, how the company is built from the ground up. Um, and so I transitioned over to Uber onto their people analytics team um, back in 2016. I was there for three years. And during that time, I really saw kind of the rise, the fall, the rebuilding of Uber um, and how important culture had on a company's uh, bottom line, actually. Um, and so after three years of doing that, I thought to myself again, okay, like what, what is it that I want to do next? And it was actually at Uber where I learned about the chief of staff role because a lot of our leaders at the company had a chief of staff. And so it just seemed like an interesting role that really piqued my interest. Um, I did a quick little adult break, uh, adult vacation where I went to business school for two years. Um, I joined another startup for uh, joining Slang in kind of like a post-sales capacity doing operations. And when I thought to myself, okay, I still really want to do this chief of staff thing. And so um, I was on the job market again, looking at roles in the chief of staff space and, and found myself here at Slang. And as far as I understand, in your role, you're kind of navigating the, the crossroads of uh, like a vision and execution. And, you know, honestly, uh, striking a balance Striking a balance there can be really pretty challenging, in fact. So, how do you how do you balance long term strategic planning with the need for this, I would say, immediate results? You know, especially in such a fast moving tech environment. Can you talk more about this part? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I think the the fun thing about the chief of staff role is it really is multifaceted and it lets you get really like a bird's eye view across the entire business. Um, I think it was somewhere on LinkedIn that I read kind of like a good framing for chief of staff is culture, operations, and strategy, which I really love. I think it was Clara Ma actually on LinkedIn who um, came up with that, that acronym, which I think is really true um, because those are kind of the three core areas you're looking out for. And so, yeah, on the long term, it is very strategic. Um, that's something that, you know, I work closely with our CEO on and making sure that we're never too far uh, from thinking about the next step. And that's something that the entire executive team is thinking about. Um, on the day to day, that is very much like the operational front. And so what are like the immediate challenges our business is facing? Um, I think for me personally, it, it's always really important to think through, like, you're always going to have, like, a never-ending list of to-do items, um, but it's really important to have perspective and understand, like, what are the most urgent and really important things that we need to get done now versus things that 
you know, we could probably push to like the next day, the next week, the next month. Um, so I think really being honest with yourself and having a good idea of what are all the possible things on your plate and then kind of portioning them out that way, I think is really important. Speaking about that, speaking about making decisions, right? As like you, you mentioned, you have a background in data analytics, right? So mm -hmm. how has this data-driven approach influenced your decision-making process at Slang? Yeah, so I think at a startup, depending on what stage you're at, uh, finding a good quality data can be a challenge sometimes. Um, I think I think at the earlier stages, you're going to sometimes have to make decisions without a lot of just very definitive data that clearly shows you should go in direction A or B. Um, having said that, I think once your startup does have any data at all, it's always good to use that at your discretion. Um, Uber was very much a data-driven decisions kind of workplace. Um, the previous startup I was at, they were very, very much into their data. And I think slang right now is we're pretty data driven as well. And we're going on that journey. Um, the one caveat I'll just add is sometimes the data is inconclusive. Um, you know, maybe the sample size is small or maybe it's not very obvious what direction you need to, to make a decision in. Um, and that's okay. I think try to use data where it makes sense, but I would say don't let data slow your decision-making decision just because it's not giving you a clear answer. Um, because that's ultimately, that's why the leadership team is there is to make the tough decisions. And, um, you know, if you're making, if you're making enough decisions, I think the aim is always to expect that hopefully 51% of your decisions are right and 49% of them are wrong, but that's part of doing business. But still, you can say that it, it that background affects how you solve problems or make plans, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think whenever someone, you know, comes to the table and says, we should do this and that, it's always like, okay, like, why? Show me why, right? Give, give me the data and help me understand why you think that is the right approach. Okay, sounds good. Is it is it a sort of balance between, like, a, a data-driven approach and some intuition or or not really no i think i think there is a balance right and that's kind of what i mentioned before with how mm -hmm. sometimes the data is not going to really give you the answer you're looking for and in that case you're going to have to just trust your intuition and make a call um because otherwise you're going to get into kind of this uh data analysis paralysis like i need more data i need more data to make a decision but yeah yeah you're, you're just sometimes it's just not going to be there the answer is not going to be in the data and the answer is going to have to be you know innate in, in your gut yeah, that's true. Okay, so uh, Swing AI is, from my perspective, is kind of redefining the way business engage through uh, voice AI, right? Mm -hmm. Can you talk more about your your maybe unique value proposition and how 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 do you help your your clients? Yeah, sure. So Slang AI is a voice AI concierge, and we help small and medium businesses answer their phone. Um, so right now we're pretty focused on the restaurant market. And when Alex and Gabe, our co-founders, founded this company, um, their entire hypothesis was essentially that there there is voice technology out there. We have kind of these clunky IVR systems where you press one for this, press two for that, or you say like one word responses. And those aren't the most intuitive uh, experiences for the caller. And generally people just really don't like that experience. Um, it's also a technology that is only really accessible by really large enterprise companies who have like their own team of developers to then maintain this crazy complicated um, uh, IVR kind of uh, 
voice mapping system. Uh, with Slang, what we built is really this out of the box, really quick and easy to implement solution that's really meant to democratize this type of technology for all the small medium businesses out there. Um, there are way more, you know, small medium businesses that could use this type of technology to help them answer their phones. And I think we're uniquely positioned to really win this market because um, we know that, especially in the hospitality industry, customer service is a huge component of what makes um, a restaurant really successful. And we care a ton about the caller experience. And so even though we are selling to restaurants, we also know by extension, the biggest impact and the biggest footprint that our product actually touches are the day-to-day -day callers. And so by focusing on really delivering a top-notch, best-in-class caller experience, that's going to also help us service our, our restaurant customers better. And uh, so, yeah, we see Slang's impact on the restaurant industry, but how do you see, uh, how do you maybe predict AI adoption will affect like uh, industries outside of hospitality? Do you, so, for example, do you use AI internally for everyday task? And if so, could you maybe share more about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, AI is like such a buzz hot word these days. I think most people who talk about it don't really even understand it. Um, I think for me personally, in my day to day, like chat, GPT, BARD, any of those things to make my day to day operations and workflow better, I definitely use for. Um, I think Drafting any sort of content or email like as a first pass, I, I throw into ChatGPT. Um, if we're if we're writing up a job description for a new role, I, I first put into ChatGPT and just take a look at what it gives me. It's not perfect, right? I think the way I approach it is it's gonna give me like 70%, 80% of what I need. Um, but that's gonna also speed up my workflow tremendously. Have you already built your own ChatGPT chat? <laughs> <laughs> I I, pers I personally have not, but I know some of my coworkers who have. Yes. <laughs> okay. Sounds cool. Sounds cool. Okay. And from 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 what I know, uh, slang mainly works as as a sort of mix of office and remote, right? So with some jobs being fully remote, am I right? Or it's yes, yeah. yes. So, um. Okay. Can we just pause for a second? This like light sure. is flickering. So. So uh, from from what I what I know, slang mainly like uh, works as as a mix of you know office and remote, right? So with some jobs being like a full remote. Mm -hmm. So with that, what what are the main things you have done to make remote work easy and effective, especially when when people are in different places, states, and time zones? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think for Slang, when we first founded the company, uh, when the co-founders first founded the company, they really purposely wanted it to be a flexible, remote type of culture. Um, and then, of course, during the pandemic in 2020, we were kind of forced into it. Um, I would say as far as making sure we make sure all of our employees are connected, we're committed to bringing everyone together for annual offsites. And during those times, it's it's a wonderful way for everyone to finally meet people in person. And I think it's a very like special, magical time because these are people you've worked with, um, you know, over your Zoom screen, but you're finally meeting. And it's always great to kind of see all those relationships really solidify once we bring the group together. Um, I think beyond that, 
you know, our team is definitely growing. And so I think moving forward, we'll probably also have more just team team based offsites. And so not necessarily the entire company, but bringing together like just the engineering team or just the sales team um, or what have you. And I think in addition to that, we do have some hubs in New York and then also in Utah. And so um, even next week, for example, we have a new marketing person starting and two folks from the marketing team are flying up to New York to help that person on board and just ramp up quickly. And so I think when there are opportunities to travel to one of the office hubs, uh, we welcome it because it's always it's, it's just nice to see people in person. Yeah, that's true. And uh, just just the question that I have, have you ever thought about hiring people globally, like outside of the US? Yeah, it's a great question. We actually do have an engineer that we work with who is based okay. out of South America. Um, and so I think we we definitely have thought about it. I think we, we have some new leadership team members join recently. And I think as we continue to expand, we're going to kind of lean on them to decide how they want to expand their global workforce. Um, but I think especially for technical roles, uh, definitely, you know, that's definitely a consideration because there are plenty of talented engineers um, in different parts of the world that I think, um, you know, from, from like a dollar sign perspective can be more effective uh, and uh, easier mm -hmm. on the wallet than hiring some domestic engineers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And <clears throat> sorry, with that, what, what challenges... Um, what challenge do you think you would face with that if you decide to just go like a fully yeah. global, you know? I mean, for sure. I mean, so many to list, right? I think from like an operational standpoint, getting their laptops, all of that, we would need to figure out all the vendors uh, globally. But I think from more importantly, culturally, I think that's probably the, the biggest thing to watch out for. Um, I think for any startup and slang in particular, our culture is a huge part of our secret sauce is what I like to call it. But, you know, when everyone's had this has this great working dynamic and cohesion, that's really important to driving high quality output. And I think when you bring in people who come from a very different culture, it can take some time for uh, both the Americans and also um, the, the international folks to learn each other's styles and communication, you know, frameworks and make sure we're always um, communicating on the same page. And so I think that's probably like the biggest risk if I had to highlight that because um, feeling close to your coworkers and really building trust is a, is a core component of mm -hmm. making sure your teams are working effectively. Yeah. And speaking about that, speaking about the culture, so creating... Mm -hmm you know, creating a united team spirit among like people from different backgrounds, even in the US, right? And like a, might be a challenge, right? Can be tough, in fact. So mm. what what methods or ways have you worked best, have, have worked best for you in building like a teamwork and maybe this uh, uh, in uniting team spirit at, at some yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, so for us, we are a huge, huge believer in our core values. So we have four core values that we hope is something that really binds and unites our company across time zones and locations. And this is an exercise that we actually completed middle of last year. Um, the co-founders and I sat down and just talked through what are some of the core behaviors we really want to instill and make sure we're still driving towards as we continue to build this company very quickly. And so for us, those core values are number one, overachiever fever. Um, that one is all about going the extra mile and over delivering. Uh, so maybe your manager, you know, come, maybe maybe for you, maybe someone says, hey, can you, I don't know, record like 10 
10 new sessions next week. Um, if you're at slang and you are you are really living up over achiever fever, you will come back and deliver 15. And so you're always kind of delivering more than what was asked. And that's something that is a core, core quality we look for when we're hiring. The second one is learner fervor. And so that one is all about prioritizing your own growth and learning new things. Um, I think most people join a startup because they really like to learn new things and they get to dabble in a little bit of everything. And so that's another unifying core value. Um, the third one is humility ability. And that one is all about just being a, a great, kind, and authentic human being. Um, I think when you're moving really quickly in the startup world and getting a lot of work done, um, you know, it can be definitely a challenging environment, but I think because we're looking for just people who are care for one another, that makes it um, definitely a, a much more collaborative and cohesive environment. And then our very last core value is SMB for small, medium businesses, MVP, uh, most valuable player. And that one is all about being you know, customer obsessed, making sure we're delivering to our customers and servicing them in the best way possible. And so I think with those four core values, you know, we really try to infuse that in our interview process. Um, there's always more we can do with that, designing more programs at the company level to really reinforce that. But I think because we have those four core values um, clearly espoused and shared with the company. When people are on board, they, they read about them. Um, that's a way for us to really make sure we have the same culture across all of our, our different remote workforce. And basically for those talent who are, who are listening to us right now, who are maybe based in a lot of time or in Europe, mm -hmm. for, for those who maybe who are looking to break into AI in the tech yeah. industries, what, what career path advice can you offer? Oof, Other specific I mean... experience or roles <laughs> you believe are critical for, you know, building this solid yeah. foundation in I this mean... field? I think in this field, I mean, in AI specifically, it's such a new field and things are changing all the time. And so I think if you wanted to be on the R&D side, definitely staying on top of um, just like what the latest news is in AI. I think for every single role, though, no matter what role you are interested in tech, whether it's AI or, or other, I think having like a deep level of curiosity is something that is really important to have. Um, I think startups exist because you're you're disrupting something, you're building something very new. And part of that is constantly kind of questioning things and asking, like, does this make sense at every left or right turn? And so I, I think having a deep level of curiosity will really bring that because ultimately you're not accepting the status quo. So that would be the, the advice I, I shared to your your listeners okay, and viewers. Yeah, that, that, that's a good one. And maybe maybe um, could you shed a light uh, on Slang's hiring process? Maybe what 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 can candidates uh, do to stand out and demonstrate their like you said, you're you're really about mm -hmm. like values. What they mm -hmm. can do to demonstrate their, you know, alignment with 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 your values and vision. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I just gave you the blueprint by giving all the core values. But I think um, the process is, you know, there's there's for most of the roles, there's a pre-screen. Then you're you're talking to the hiring manager at some point, depending on whether you're you're interviewing for a technical or non-technical role. There might be more steps in between. And then the final stage, um, you would meet with our CEO for a core value screen. And so that's like the overall high level process. But as far as how candidates can really stand out, um, you know, I think someone who's done their research is always, to, in my mind, like a good indication that this person is serious. Um, 
I think it, it can be a tough job market. And so I understand people are kind of just applying to whatever and seeing what lands. But if you're showing up to an interview and asking questions that you could have found on our website, that to me doesn't really indicate that you're very serious about like our company so that's one really easy thing is just go into it asking really good questions showing that you have done your research um and then two i think especially in the stage that slang is still at we're looking for builders we're looking for people who are really comfortable in an ambiguous environment because truthfully our managers don't necessarily have time to check every single thing you've done, um, you know, dot the I's or cross the T's. And so if you're someone who's a go-getter and really excited to get things done, then I think slang is the right environment for, for you. It's a good one. So uh, probably my, my last question, uh, slang mm -hmm. raised 20 million, right? So uh, mm -hmm. can you, can you discuss the future innovations or maybe uh, plans in terms of expansions that that slang aims to bring to the market with these investments yeah for sure um so with that investment i think uh typically at series a you know it's a mark of approval of like hey you've you found go market fit like let's scale this up and see how far you can get and so for us we're definitely spending a lot of that money on just building the team um you know your your workforce and talent is usually going to be your biggest PL item and so for us it means expanding our sales team expanding our engineering and product teams um so we can continue building more great products um so for us we're definitely going to be focused on the restaurant industry for the foreseeable future but i think you know another vertical isn't isn't too far um down the line and so i think we do have our eyes set on um expanding into some other verticals but for now the focus is still on the hospitality industry awesome thank you thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights it's been a great yeah, conversation uh, take care and best of luck with all your you know future and current projects yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, and the same to you. It was really, this is so much fun. Thank you.